Welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. It's glad to be with you here today. We are continuing our look on the book of Revelation. I am joined here in the northern command of Casting Nets here in Shirley, Wisconsin, the greatest place you've never heard of. I'm joined here with uh, my cohort in crime, Pastor Will Harley. Say hello, Pastor Will Harley. Hello, Pastor Will Harley. Oh, he follows instructions. <laughs> if I don't, I'm going to get muted. <laughs> the power. The po- <laughs> so it's great to have you with us uh, as we're continuing our studies of the Book of Romans, uh, Book of Revelation. We're looking at the vision of the seven visions. Uh, right in the middle, kind of in the book, uh, chapters uh, 14, uh, 14 and 15 today. And uh, as we go through the book of Revelation, we understand that this is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. So if there's something that uh, you're, you have trouble with or you want to push back on, um, you are free to talk to us in person at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley, that's where I'm at, or at uh, St. John and Maribel, that's where Pastor Will Harley is at. And come and talk to us in person and say, hey, I listened to this show and I had a problem about this or I had a question about that. And we promise to listen to your question and maybe you have an answer. Yeah. And we're live. We're- so if you, if you're listening to this after the fact and all of a sudden you decide, I would like to be active in the conversation, um, on Facebook live, we are or on YouTube, yeah, on, or on YouTube too. Uh, so I don't know if we're monitoring the comments on YouTube. Are we monitoring? Yes, we are monitoring okay. the comments on YouTube. We are monitoring comments, but on nobody YouTube. cool is listening on YouTube yet. Well, you know, there's time. There's time. There's, there's time. What? Yeah, we're in our time. We're in this time of grace that that cool people can be made known. We are knocking on the door of the internet and saying, "Let us in! Let us in!" Absolutely, come listen to us. Absolutely, and if they step into the light and are led by the Spirit to do so and remain, then they will be good to the end of the show. <laughs> so, likewise, uh, if you can also email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. Facebook, like we, but we only mentioned. have room for 144,000. We have only 144,000 <laughs> emails. That's only the number of emails we're going to be listen, responding to. <laughs> one thousand four hundred and one email is not anyway. Anyway, that's a foreshadowing. That is a uh, um, Ooh, that's a spoiler a alert for what we're talking about in chapter Revelation, chapter fourteen and fifteen. So before we get there, I think I think we should just share with everybody that um, this is a podcast, and that uh, if we say something that is offensive, um, we don't mean to, unless we precursor with it's going to be offensive and we mean it um which i don't think we do intentionally um so if you do have a problem you can turn us off you can um find us like uh dave has said and and talk with us in person um but uh uh, please please engage with us um begin the conversation with us we've Uh, begun the conversation we're asking them to continue well continue that conversation um and and ask questions because a lot of what we do on this show is i mean we study these things. That's what we kind of do for our living. And, and we love to study the scriptures, but sometimes we get in our own head and we think we're asking or answering questions that are relevant to our people that are listening. And sometimes um, we're way off base because they had other questions. Um, maybe they're more mature uh, yeah. and further on in their study than we w- thought yeah. they were. Yeah, exactly. And there's like this thing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where the Holy him. Spirit works through the Word, and so we're not claiming a monopoly on the on the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit might work on your heart as you're listening to the God's Word, as listening to us explain, and it would help us as well. He now, does good work. Yeah, he does good work. Um, good work. And 
If you do like what we have to say, and if you would like to share it, we encourage you to do so. Uh, if you are listening to this on a podcast and you have not already done so, please rate us on the podcast. Give us four stars. Don't give us five. If you give us five stars, my head, too big, explode. Don't want that. Uh, just four stars is good. Uh, leave us a review. If you are watching on YouTube, subscribe and then click that little bell thing so that you'll get the notifications when the live show comes on. So we have all of those features for you. Please help us out and then share this message if this is something that is beneficial to you. like our new music selections every now and then i just like to change it up and and i think uh these are from your brother right yeah these are from my brother yeah, so my brother got these these are really good they're nice music selections i have to send them over so I he can... didn't write them but he bought them he bought the rights to them well you should send them over so i can i can put them into my board and sure when we when we get together back over in in maribel on uh, the maribel studio south um I'll be able to play those too. Otherwise, I got the old ones. Yeah, that's fine. Or you got the old, old ones from I, way back then. I do. I do have the old, old ones back when when I was flying solo. And, yes, and when you had the other and pastors that were pastor better than winter. I were. That, there is uh, no other. There, I don't compare in, pastors. In the words of Firefly, he was shiny. <laughs> he was shiny. <laughs> he was. He had, he had a spectacular bald head. <laughs> So that's from, if you're listening to this on a podcast, that was our pre-show. We were making uh, comments about Star Wars, Star Trek, Firefly, and sci-fi. But um, before we get even further off, ta- off track, Serenity. let's, yeah, let's Serenity now. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do a recap. Chapter 13 we, and, and 12, uh, we've got the three, the, the three beasts. We're looking at the timeline of all of history from the villain's point of view and, um, Excuse me. So you have the dragon, which is the devil, the beast out of the sea, which is government, and then the beast of the earth, which is I think I have that right. Beast of the earth is the antichrist. Beast of the sea is the beast government. of the sea was the government. Beast okay. of the earth is is the antichrist. All right, it's I had the, it right. Yeah, That's the nice three that, that stand against. Yeah, the th- three that stand against the Christian church and and against Christ, yeah. uh, warring against the church. And now here we have chapter fourteen, uh, verses uh, one to five. Then I looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a loud thunderclap. The sound that I heard was also like the sound of harpists playing their harps. They were singing a new song in front of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders. No one was able to learn that song except for the 144,000, who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women because they were virgins. They continually follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind as firstfruits for God and the Lamb, and no lie was found in their mouths. They were blameless. we got a lot of picture image here, don't we? Um, and... I think some of the images that we have here and some of the, the descriptions that we have here kind of play into the, the, um, probably the, the confusion on approaching who these 144,000 people are, um, as they're gathering with the Lord, because you have the depictions of, well, 
they're perpetual virgins. Um, you have the depictions of being blameless. Um, you have the depictions of they, they have written on their head, um, you know, that of uh, um, the name of the father and the name of the son. Um, <clears throat> you have all of these things going on. So, so I think we need to start probably first dealing with, uh, again, the numerology that what we find. Could, could we then, start, start with where we are? Well, we can start with where Mount we are. Mount Zion. What about Mount Zion? Where, where does that, what's that, uh, picture indicate to us where we are? Well, I'm, Mount Zion is exactly where the worship center was for God's people in the Old Testament. It's, uh, um, in, in throughout the history of, of the church, the two mountains that are always compared is that of Mount Zion, uh, Mount, uh, Sinai and then Mount Zion, uh, or Mount Calvary. Um, and so it's the, the idea of, of Mount, Sinai is the place of the law, the giving of the law. Um, and then you have Zion, Calvary, um, the place where grace is seen. <clears throat> and, and so I think that's, I mean, the place is an important place. Um, you, you have the, the, the connection to the work of Christ being seen on earth there coming, flowing from that place. Uh, later on, uh, in, in the history of the Jewish people, you're going to have the Ark of the Covenant, uh, take its rest there, um, there in the Temple of Solomon. Um, and for many generations, you're going to have, uh, the Day of Atonement being offered there, uh, where, where you have the, the direct image of of the Lamb who is going to take away the sins of the world. Um, I also think that, you know, Mount, Mount Zion takes on a, a new meaning after the exile um, because you have people after the exile into Babylon in the Old Testament, um, they want to get back to Mount Zion, um, but something is fundamentally missing from their worship when they do return, and that is the Day of Atonement. Um, the Day of Atonement after they come back from Babylon is no longer present because the Ark is gone. The mercy seat is gone. Um, and so they had the, the Holy of Holies stood empty, um, from that moment on to, to even when Christ was there, uh, and walking the earth. Um, the, the, the Holy of Holies still is treated as the most holy place within the temple, uh, the new rebuilt temple, but, but it stood empty in, and I think you have this beautiful picture of, it was never empty, right? Christ stood there, um, and Christ stands there um, in the most holy of places on our behalf. And you see this imagery coming out in the book of Revelation where where um, the place where they said God is, where God and, and go back to Solomon's word, this place cannot contain you, right? This mountain can't contain you as he has he had his dedication prayer to the temple um, for the temple. We, he understood this is just where you promised to be. And so we have this imagery coming back where, where, where Christ promised to be, where God promised to be for his people, there he is. Even though the things that we thought we had to do for it aren't there, he's there. That's an excellent answer. Short answer, it's heaven, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> in Revelation chapter 14. I mean, yes and no. Um, and, and this is where, because this it is follows where, with what, what we had earlier in the book of Revelation where the 144,000 were at, in heaven around the throne of God. Yeah. But, but one of the things that we're going to see, and, and this is where, what makes Revelation such a, a beautiful book is what is, what is in heaven is mimicked on earth. And, and so, you know, we, we're going to see, we're going to see these things that are are happening and and we see them from a heavenly perspective 
but they're earthly too. I mean, the, you you have the collection. This comes back down to the numerology. Where where what are these hundred and forty four thousand? And and we would say this is the the totality of the church, right? This is the totality of God's people clothed in white. Um, whether in heaven or here on earth, this right. is this is. I, I think it, it's significant. In fact, that we we just had the story of the three beasts, the dragon and the two beasts, hurt you know. Uh, harassing the church. And now here, right after it, you have a picture of the church secure. That God knows those who are his. The 144,000, 12, 10, 12, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, a complete number. Nobody's lost. Um, the, the New Testament, Old Testament church, everybody is rescued. Everyone that God, um, everyone that, that God had saved through the working of the means of grace, there they are. Um, and they're free from this, um, Oppression, and now they're singing a, a new song. This is a the the old the the old uh, time of torment is now over. Now they are rescued and they're free and they're no longer under the. Uh, they're not under the weight of the persecution that that was <clears throat> brought upon them during the the church age. But I, I I guess I come back down to this, and and I just I, I would offer this comfort, and I would offer this reality. Sometimes we get it in our head that, that, that heaven and hell are separate places. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place called heaven and there isn't a place called hell. I, I think we, we drive home or we, we try to drive home this fact that when, when the scriptures talk about heaven, that it's only a place separate from where we are now. Or when we talk about hell, it's only a place separate from where we are now. And, and I think that's limiting. Because what is hell? Hell is is the place where grace is not, and God's anger and justice over over sin is is in its full force, always and forever. Satan carries that with him Wherever everywhere he goes. He goes. Yeah. So there's hell. <laughs> um, so is there a hell on earth? Yes, in a sense, there is where where Satan's work is is seen. But is 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 earth hell? No, because God's grace is here. So, so what's the opposite? What's the antithesis of that? The opposite of that is heaven is where God in all his grace is seen and all his love is. And, and so what do we see here? We see, we see that. We see the sun on Mount Zion in all his grace for his people, in, in all his love for his people. And, and, and there is something to be said of the importance of that imagery, of the importance that Mount Zion took in the Old Testament church, in the life of the New Testament church, and, and even for our life now, I mean, there was an importance to the mercy seat. There, there, there was an importance to, to God's grace and only his grace being seen in the forgiveness of sins. Um, go back to, and I would, I would actually encourage all of our listeners to go back and listen to our section, uh, uh the whole thing that we did on the book of Leviticus, because we talk about the importance of that that place of Mount Zion and the worship of the Lord that God had established there in his divine service as he served his people there. And now we see in a very visual way God standing, the Son standing among his people in the place where he said, I would be found. Yeah, and w- what a marvelous gift these people have been given is uh – it, it it talks about their characteristics. You know, they haven't defiled themselves with women, which is an Old Testament picture of being faithful to God. Yep. And and why are they faithful to God? Because they've been purchased uh, by the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb has purchased them. He has won them. He has with, marked them. And he has, yeah, right. Um, 
and uh, they are there's no lie found on their mouth. That this is the work of sanctification, not just in the broad in the broad sense where the Holy Spirit has given them the righteousness of Christ, so that when God sees them, He doesn't see somebody who lies or doesn't see anybody who is unfaithful. Um, and I like the last phrase: they are blameless. That I have com- that underlined twice. <laughs> blameless that that complete package. I think of Job was considered to be blameless not because he was. Perfect, but just because he had, he was the complete package. Like this is what God gives to us in Christ isn't, uh, anything that's incomplete or anything that doesn't equip us for what's ahead of us. Uh, what God equips us with is what we, what makes us whole, what makes us complete. In yeah. The, in that, I, I what would, equips I, us is Christ. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the way that the scriptures phrase it is, is, um, is beautiful. You, you you have a state verb, a state of being verb. We call it the the. Um, it's less of an action they are participating in, and more of a state in which they've been placed. And and I think that is that that to me is the takeaway. Um, they are. I mean, it's not because they have that that they have not been defiled. It's not necessarily because they are. You know, all those those are all things that they are. But but or all the things that they didn't participate in. Um, those were reflections of who they were, but they are blameless. That, that, that's the state in which you are, that they have been placed. So uh, coming back to what you had said, when God sees them, they see them in that sphere. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about angels. <laughs> Three angels. Again. <laughs> All right, three angels, uh, chapter 14, reading verses 6 to 13. These are God's answer for the, the, the dragon and the beast of the earth and the beast of the sea. Let's read. Then I saw another angel flying in the middle of the sky. He had an everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed. He said, Fallen. Oh, fallen is Babylon the Great, who made every nation drink from the wine of her adulterous desire. Another angel, a third one, followed him. He said with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink from the wine of God's wrath which has been poured undiluted into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angel and the lamb. And the smoke of their torment is going to rise forever and ever. Those who worship the beast and his image and anyone who receives the mark of his name are going to have no rest day and night. Here patient endurance is needed by the saints who hold on to the commands of God and their faith in Jesus. You can read 13. Uh, That's in the next. Oh, next section. I'll read verse 13. Sorry. Verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, because they will rest from their labors, for their works follow them. We had a lot packed into here. Um, and, And I think some of the things that people struggle with when we when we hear this section <clears throat> is this talk of the cup of wrath. Um, and and, and, and you might want to talk about the angels, and we're going to talk about, of course, the message that they bring. But that idea of the cup of wrath, because that cup of wrath language really is seen in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? 
Um, and so at least in my mind, when we hear that cup of wrath language, I'm thinking punishment of sin. I'm thinking, um, suffering of hell. I'm thinking payment done for us. <clears throat> and so that this, this brings to mind, um, something that, that kind of is, it, it hovers around in the periphery of, of Lutheran theology, which is if Christ has paid for the sins of the entire world, if Christ has suffered hell for all, if someone denies Christ, who gets that suffering? <laughs> and I think this is where, to me, this is a very scary thing. Because I remember, you know, the disciples, um, you know, they, they said, um, you know, he asked the disciples, can you take the cup and drink? And they said, yes, we can. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, to a, to an extent you will, but not to the extent that I am. Um, but, but now we see people who are outside of Christ, people who have fallen outside of faith, people who are, are uh, saying, I can do it on my own. I can do what I want, how I want, when I want. Um, now are, are going to have to bear in its totality what Christ has paid for already. Um, but now it's returned to them. And I, and like I said, that comes back down to, to kind of a, a core idea within Lutheranism that, that, that if you deny Christ, the, the punishment has to go somewhere. And it comes back to you. Um, because if you, if you say, Christ, I don't want what you did. Christ, I don't care about what you have done. I don't care about the wrath that you have taken away from me. Well, that means that you're stepping into the breach and, and now you have to bear it. And here's what it's going to look like. Right? I mean, that's what this section's all about. <clears throat> Other than the three angels, which we haven't talked about. Well, yeah. <laughs> but what are those three angels bringing, right? They're bringing, bringing wrath. Um, they're heralding the wrath. Well, well, I don't, the first angel there is an ever, has an everlasting gospel to proclaim. Which they have denied. Therefore, they have wrath. <laughs> 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 Which is, a, you know, it's the truth, I suppose, where we're preaching the gospel, people reject it, and that will bring um, wrath on, the, on, on those who, who do not want to believe in the message of Jesus. Um, chapter, but it is still, it is a response. God's response to the, the three enemies of God, those three enemies, the beast of the sea, beast of the earth, and the, the dragon, is God continues to preach the gospel. And... Um, that's a, that's a good thing that God is doing. Well, this, and, and, and then the other two yeah. angels follow after him with the message of um, judgment and wrath. And and I think that's I, there is something to be said though in in our and and maybe maybe we do a disservice as clergy and as the church in general. You know, we are very very concerned with sharing the gospel, and that's good. We need to be concerned with the sharing of the gospel. But I, I guess I wonder. I wonder if, if, and this is as a, as a idea of the church as a wide sweeping statement. <clears throat> I wonder if we kind of backpedal the law a little bit and, and say, yeah, the gospel is there, but there is a consequence for, for its misuse, a consequence for its denying, a consequence for, for it, it, it putting it off and, and only treating it as something that you do on a Sunday or, or not treating or interacting with it at all. Um, you know, there's, there is, especially coming to the end of the world as we're approaching this last vision of the end, right? What is going to happen? 
Um, I think it comes down to the gospel remains. The gospel will always remain forever. But there is a time of punishment for those who reject. And, and we can't, we can't get away from that either. Um, that, and, and that's why I think, you know, the spirit follows it up and gives to, to John, um, those wonderful words that, that there is, it, there's a time for patient endurance to, and the, what, what hope and comfort there is for the believers, right? This does not last forever that people trample on the gospel of Christ. It doesn't last forever that people deny who God is. Um, it does not last forever this thing that they are doing. Um, it will come to an end and, and what Christ has taken away from them and they have denied will come back to them. Um, and they're not going to enjoy it. Now that does not mean that we don't want to, we're going to lead with that. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm saying that that has to be there. There, there is, um, the fact that you step back every now and then and say, you know, the world has everything to be afraid of, and rightfully so. Yeah, we had a comment online, and I wanted to read it from uh, that uh, mirrors what you were saying, Will, from Hebrews chapter twelve, reading verses twenty-five to twenty-eight, where it says, "See to it that you do not ref- refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, for if those people did not escape." When they refuse to listen to the one who spoke God's message on earth, how much less likely it is we will escape. If we turn away from the one who spoke God's message to us from heaven, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will not I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. If the words once more clearly indicate the removal of the things that are being shaken, that is, the things that have been made, so that the things that cannot be shaken remain permanently, therefore, since we are going to receive an unshakable kingdom, let us be thankful this is how we can serve God in an acceptable way with reverence and with awe. Um, so here we have an example of, of the Bible interpreting itself, that the gospel message is a, is a message not to be neglected. Don't, uh, right. don't uh, um, treat it um, lightly. This is an awesome thing that's being proclaimed, and it should be also um, held in high regard by God's people. Yeah, and, and if, you are, if you pass away while in the midst of holding on to this gospel— um, and there's great hope for you. You've rest from your labors. You've rest from, from the things that, that were plugging the world. Um, yeah. And they rest from their labors and that's, you know, in the air, air quotes and the, the labor that they're doing because of the Holy Spirit working in them. Right. Uh, um, to believe and to hold on to the, this gospel and it, share it and sharing it. It does take work and it, but it is not our work, but the God's work in us. Um, it does take a, um, a will that wants to do these things and, that's uh, God's inten- will. intentionality in the, in the individual, but that will and intentionality in the individual comes to us from um, right. the gospel. And I think that's, that's um, when we end at the end of the day, you know, that I follow what, what Luther would say that it's Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. Um, why do I will and want to do what is good? Because God has placed it in me. Why do I do good things in this world? Because God has given for, given them for me to walk in them and, and for me to do them. And so the credit goes to the Lord. And yet in, in, in this beautiful thing that we see in, in the end of this section of, of Revelation 14 is <clears throat> we're given the credit. They're his. He, he, he did it. But we, we get the credit for it. And, and then we get to rest and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? You, you've rested from your labors. Um, you know, and, and those things that weren't ours to begin with follow us <laughs> in, into eternity. And he says, you know, the time that I placed in front of you to give someone who was mine a drink and you did, 
um, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> you, you did great, but but I when did I when did I do that, Lord? Oh, well, you did that when I placed it in front of you to do and then gave to you the heart to do it and the actions to do it and the mind to do it and the will to do it. And and then I gave you the praise for doing it. Um, and, and that's our Lord. That's that's how beautiful it, I, I just I know we got to move on, but I just envision I, I was envisioned when my son was young and, and I, you know, place a basketball in his in his hand and I lifted him up to the hoop. Right. And I had to hold the basketball to keep it in his hands as I'm lifting him up to the hoop. And, and then. I put him over the basketball hoop and I moved my hand and the ball fell out of his hands because he wasn't strong enough to even hold the ball. Um, and then I praised him for making the shot, right? How awesome was that? You did a great job. This was all, that's our Lord. That, that's our Lord every step of our Christian walk. All right, move on. Unless you have more to say. I have um, no more to say. We're moving on to the harvest. So we have the three angels being pro, um, proclaiming that the day of wrath is coming, and then all of a sudden, here it is in uh, verses 14 to 20 of chapter 14. Then I looked, and there was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple and cried with a loud voice to the one sitting on the throne, on the cloud, swing your sickle and begin reaping, for the time to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is very ripe. And the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel, who also had a sharp sickle, came out of the temple, which is in heaven. And another angel, who was in charge of the fire, came from the altar and cried with a loud voice to the one who had a sharp sickle, Swing your sharp sickle and harvest the grape clusters from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. Then the angel swung its, his sickle over the earth, and he harvested the earth's vine and threw it into the great winepress of God's wrath. The winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. So let's, let's start at the beginning on here, and um, let us uh, talk about who the son or, or the one that looks like the son of a man, son of man, um, and the gold crown that he wears. So we'll begin talking about that and, and then move on to the different mixing of the metaphors that we have. So who do you think this, this guy is? So he's the son of man. He's got a gold sitting crown on a cloud. sitting on a cloud. He has a sharp sickle. You know, my first instinct, I'll just say, I, I think you're thinking it too. You know, first instinct, this is Jesus, right? This is, this is Christ. Now, the only thing that I, I, I kind of hesitate on is, yeah, the, the term another angel came okay. out yeah. and then he is telling the one who's sitting on the cloud to swing the sickle. So, so, um, that would be the only, my only caveat that that doesn't seem like this is maybe Jesus. This might be another angel, angel yeah. um, waiting for instructions, right? Which would be the point that Jesus told his disciples: how nobody knows the day or the hour. So, if God is is intending for the angels to participate in the last judgment and bring all the souls together, they don't know when they are called to serve. So they're just sitting there waiting for um, the the moment to come. Right. And I think sometimes we, you know, just because someone wears a crown in, in Revelation does not make him 
Jesus. Jesus. Um, because oh. we wear crowns, right? We're given crowns of life, crowns of glory. Um, we have the beasts that wear crowns and, and the dragon that wears crowns. So I think sometimes if we, we, we got to be very careful to say just because someone or something is shown with a crown, it must be, always be Jesus. Um, but the, the, I think that, that trips us up is that phrase like the son of man. Um, because normally we would gravitate towards anything that says like the son of man is going to be Christ. But I, I just with with that the way that it's written where where another angel now commands him, I, I would lean away from that and more into this is this is uh, an angel or this is um, maybe it is maybe it is one of of God's elect. I, I, but then I would sort of I, I haven't fully thought that one through. Yeah, I, I would I would yeah, God's servants makes more sense than God's elect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are uh, we are given we are given opportunities to harvest. Um, you know, um, you know, the harvest is ripe. The workers are few. Um, who will go out into the field? Um, I'm sending you. Jesus says to his disciples. Yeah, uh, they wear the crown. They are the son of man. Um, is there a possibility? Verse nineteen. Then the angel swung his sickle over the earth. <laughs> that kind of answers it for us. Again, not necessarily because, um, you know, the, the, the term used in the scriptures for angel does not automatically mean a heavenly being. It, it can mean a messenger. It can mean one sent, um, for the purpose of a task. That's true. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, but it just, to me, that my opinion, it looks like that qualifies what we're looking at with that man well, in verse in 12. Verse <laughs> 14, I mean. Yeah, and, and I guess, I guess I would ask this question too. Um, in 17, you have a second angel with a sickle. So it's different from the first. The first is bringing in those of the faithful. The second is bringing in those that are going to be condemned to fire and, and to, to the wrath. So I, I just, I, I, I would say that there's this struggle. That's going on because we're seeing these different angels. We see one angel coming or, or one, one like the son of man coming with a sickle, with a crown, who's harvesting everything, uh, harvesting the good, right? Harvesting, you could say maybe everything and is being told to swing. And then 17 uh, by, by an angel that says now swing. Then you have in 17 another angel separate from the first who also is carrying a sickle whose job is to bring in those who are destined for wrath. So, so I think you have two, you have you have two competing visions here, and and I I I I just it's very difficult for me to move away from from God saying the 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 fields are ripe, um, who will go? And and the disciples ask, well, who are we? And and he says, I'm sending you. I'm, and it's very hard for me to remove away from that picture of of our our participation in the gospel use. Where are we on the timeline is a difficult thing to, to ascertain because John and led by the Spirit of God rewinds and fast forwards all the time. So, absolutely. So I would tend to think this is at the end of everything just because of the context right before. But am I going to leave, I'm going to leave room for John to, to rewind that he's going to look at the, the picture of all of the harvest and then say, Oh, wait a minute. Let's just back up and have a picture. I'm going to talk about the, the harvest of the souls that are, um, that aren't going to heaven. 
So there, there's this harvest at the end. And then wait, I want to talk about the souls that aren't going to be there, that there's going to be a lot of them. Um, yeah. a lot of them that it's going to, the, if you were to do as the metaphor describes, uh, yeah, to, to have all of their blood fill, you know, 1600 stadia, it's just this picture, the picture of a vast amount of people that are, are, are going to face God's wrath and judgment. Um, so yeah. is, is that John? Is John? Giving us the whole picture, then rewinding and saying, "I really want to focus on this," but it's part of a broader picture of the angels uh, doing that. Or is this John looking at this and saying, "This is uh, our task as as believers to spread spread the gospel," because at the end there is going to be judgment for the unbelievers. So get to work, guys. Well, and I think and I think this comes back down to how you started um, when we kind of went back to to twelve and thirteen, right? We're looking at the end of the world um, as it's going to affect the unbeliever, as it's going to affect the sinful world. And so, even though we have, and, and I would say fourteen is still contained within that scope of of that vision, um, that there's something coming for those who do not believe. There's wrath that's coming to those who don't believe. There's a punishment coming to those. Now, do we have the glimpses of the hope and comfort to the Christian, to those who do believe? Yes, we do. And, and I think that's where the first harvest comes, where the, the first harvester, not the first harvest, but the first harvester is is bringing in his own. And then you have the second who is not. <laughs> Yeah, the, you know, I, I think I think having these things work simultaneously together and having John focus on one over the other is not uncommon. That that, that I think is absolutely what's happening. So, dear listener and dear watcher, you've got the two different approaches looking at chapter fourteen. Lots of blood. Lots of blood at the end. Of this. So, <laughs> the, the end of the day, <laughs> lots of blood, <laughs> lots of gore. I read, I read something not so long ago that said you'd be surprised how much blood is in a human body after you empty it. <laughs> Tells you what I read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's look at chapter 15, 1 to 8. The angels with the seven last plagues. Then I saw another great and remarkable sign in heaven, seven angels with seven plagues, the last plagues because in them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire. I also saw those who had had won the victory over the beast and his image and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass. They They held the harps of God and they were singing the song of Moses, God's servant, and the song of the Lamb. They said, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and who will not praise your name? You alone are holy. All the nations will come and bow down before you, because your righteous verdicts have been revealed. After these things I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of the testimony was opened in heaven. The seven angels who hold the seven plagues came out of the sanctuary. They were clothed with clean, bright linen, and they they wore gold sashes around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels the seven bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. No one was able to enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So where do we want to start on this one? So do we want to uh, um, start with this image of, of heaven and and those who are there in heaven, or do we want to jump to um, the beautiful imagery of the tabernacle and the temple? 
I guess I'm prepared to talk about both. Why don't you talk about the first one? All right. So, so you got this, you have the sea of glass. Um, I think throughout the scriptures, uh, Ezekiel, we have, we have, and, and the like, we have these different images of heaven and, and upon which, um, people will stand. Um, you have this beautiful image of, of the pristine nature of, of what is there and who is there. Um, and, and the people that we have there are those that have come out of a sinful world. Um, those who, who have gone beyond doing what the world has said, well, you just do this because this is what is normal. You do this because this is how we do business. Um, and said they did what was right and godly, um, because that is what they were led to do. And they held on to those beliefs, um, and, and gained comfort and strength through their Lord and Savior who promised and kept his promises. And so now they sing the song, you know, the, the song that in chapter 14, um, that, that they were singing unknowing. Right. No one else could know. We hear, we hear this song that we, we now are able to, to bear witness to. And it's a song that is, uh, wonderfully sung by Moses. So, uh, I, I kind of look at that as saying it's sung by the Old Testament believers as well as the New Testament believers. Um, giving this, this scope and, and, and letting us recognize how far reaching, um, these believers are. These, these are not just from a certain time and a certain place, but these are from all time and, and all places, uh, as they're gathered. What do you got? Um, I was just thinking of Exodus and how, uh, after the Pharaoh and his army was destroyed in the, the, um, the Red Sea, how Moses led God's people in song, um, giving all credit to God for their Isn't deliverance. That that Miriam who led them in song after that? Um, I thought it was Moses. I can look it up. I think we should look that up because I want to say it was Miriam. I want to say it was his sister. You got a Bible open there. I do have a Bible. Should I look in my Bible? But it's, yeah, I, yeah, and I could be wrong with my memory as well. So this is the the show that we have, guys. This, We're just yeah. we just bring up stuff. <laughs> we break up. Yeah, stuff. the song of Moses and Miriam. We were both correct. correct. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> 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 they were both singing, but of course, uh, we know who was leading. Yeah, um, Moses sang better. <laughs> but you know, Moses Moses had a deep voice, and he couldn't hit the high notes. <laughs> so Miriam had to sing the higher notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we well, go. Well, Miriam has her own little song, but it's only one verse. So no. Moses's song is first. Then it says, "Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord." That's the one I was thinking of. Chapter fifteen, verses. Is Miriam not an Israelite? Well, Does two she... to verse eighteen, and then well, in verse yes. twenty-one, Miriam sings. Yes. So the the heading threw us off. I was thinking of the long song of Moses. You were thinking of the short song of Miriam. I was. Thinking either that way, they both sang. They both sang. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, they both sang at the, after God's deliverance from, um, Pharaoh and his army. Here, I just, that's the picture that I, I'm, I'm thinking of. And I, I like what you're saying about this is the, the reunion of the church of God, a reunion that we, we, of people that we never met before. Uh, just imagine, like you go to a reunion where you, um, you, you meet a relative that you have never, never seen before, but that relative, Places a, a ton of great value on you. Like maybe you're the 
Yeah. Uh, you're the, the child of their grandchild that they really, that they took care of because mom, their mom and dad were, were somewhere. And now here you are and, and they've never seen you before. I think of, of, um, and here, this is me and my, my, my thoughts of going back to a congregation that my father served. And, you know, I grew up in that conversation, in that congregation, but I didn't know who anybody was. And, and going back to that congregation preaching for, um, an anniversary or something and having people come up to you and say, you know, we're, I'm so glad you're here. And, and they have all that affection that they're displaying toward you. And you're like, I don't know who you are. I don't remember you. I mean, I was just a little kid. Um, and that's the picture I'm seeing here of God's people together singing a song of the same words. And, but for them always all, um, reflecting on, um, this is the this is the family that God always, that God intended to have together because of the preaching of the gospel. Well, and and just the simple fact that that the song of Moses was also the song of the Lamb. I, I think you can't move away from that. That the song that that Moses was inspired to sing and it was recorded for us, um, and and the song that's here in Revelation as well is the very song of the Word of God Himself, the Lamb. You know, his, his words flowing through his people, um, giving glory to his father, um, with our lips. That is a neat, neat concept all in itself. Um, so I, I think there's, there's some beauty here. And, and I, I would just resonate with what, you know, what we see and how you're drawn back to Exodus. You know, I, I heard a comment from, uh, Chad Bird one time in one of his podcasts and he's, uh, LCMS, uh, pastor, I don't know if he's a pastor anymore. I think he's just a teacher theologian, um, works for 15, 17. Anyway, he made a comment that, that, um, everything that we see within the scriptures builds off of the core truths given and shared in the first five books of scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we are going back and we're saying, we're thinking of Exodus, we're thinking of Genesis, we're thinking of the law and, or we're thinking of Leviticus, we're thinking of, Everything in scripture builds itself off of those first five books and, and they're just the depth to which God brings us deepens from those things. Um, so you have the giving of the law. You have the promise of grace. You have the establishment of his people. You have the blessings of faith. You have everything that, that, that starts as a seed growing in the first five books and then are expounded upon. And so when we hear the song of the rescue, we're thinking I'm coming out of the great uh, uh, 400-year tribulation in Egypt. Yeah, I'm I'm singing. <laughs> I'm coming out of a tribulation of 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 a set time where where evil was against God's people and and mishandling God's people. Um we we call it the church age, but but we're we're doing that too. Um, so I think there's a lot that goes into there. The other, the other part that I think is, is needed to be talked about is, is now the reintroduce, the reintroduction to, to, uh, the sanctuary, um, the tabernacle, the temple, um, we're, we are being drawn back to the divine service. And so, and let's, let's talk a little bit about that because that's where it ends, right? That's where this, this chapter ends. What's coming out from the place where, where God said, I will be. Uh, and, and I think this deserves some talk. Uh, what's coming out of the tabernacle is the next vision. So it's kind of a, as we've been going through the visions, the seven visions of the book is it, you get to the end of one vision. It just moves on to the next vision. This is what we're going to tell, tell this vision again. 
Um, it's a beautiful picture of the tabernacle of God being with his people. Um, we had a picture at the beginning of the lamb walking amongst the 144,000. So in some respects, it is very much like what we we're talking about in Exodus, where the, that ta- temple, the tabernacle traveled with God's people was the center of their life and the center of their worship. Um, it was, uh, their leader. It was, it was every, their whole life just seemed to be surrounded by or, or focused on, centered on, uh, what happened in that tabernacle. Now here in heaven, we have that picture again, but a little bit different. There's there's no barrier between God's people and 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 God, it, but it is still a picture of His presence among them. Yeah, and I think there's this there's something to be said that that um, the temple that we see in in the heavenly places, the temple that we're seeing in 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 heaven in this section, is mimicked on earth um, in a in a poor reflection. Um, you know. You might ask yourself, why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Why do we do these things? Because this is where God promised to be. And, and just as he has promised from all eternity that he will be where, where he decides to serve his people in, in the divine service, he is there for his people now. Now, the thing that I find scary about this image, and, and as I was thinking, and I, I, I went through this again last night and I was just thinking to myself, and, and please correct me because this is just my rambling thoughts, but, you know, I, I thought back and I'm like, you know, how many sins were forgiven on the mercy seat? How many atrocities taken away in the blood of the lamb? How many things, you know, that, that this imagery of the divine service of God removing from people and, and promising to be removed from people now at the end, after he has taken his people away, have said, I'm releasing it back into the world. To me, that's a scary thing. And and, and that's kind of, and like I said, please stand by and, and correct me if you don't think that I'm looking at this right. But I mean, flowing from the temple, mm. all these plagues, imagine all the things, all the things that, that, that God has taken away from, from us in, on the, upon the mercy seat for the, the, for the Old Testament divine service, uh, there culminating in the, in the sacrifice of Christ. Christ wasn't good enough for, for those who have rejected. Christ wasn't good enough for those who are unfaithful. And so the Lord says, if he wasn't good enough, I'm giving him back. And so where they rested, gone and forgotten uh, as far from you as the east is from the west they're now returned to to those that remain that's just how my brain works i'm not i'm yeah, i'm not saying gospel truth i'm just looking <laughs> at it and saying look at how this is he opens it up and from the temple i mean look at how he says it he says from these living creatures from the temple and now are giving the seven the the, the next the next thing these seven plagues so are you saying that this the it's not like the unbeliever is going to be punished for our sins, but the the payment that was paid to pay for our sins, the 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 innocent blood of Christ, the wrath of God poured out on Christ is now directed towards well, the yeah. unbelieving world. It's it, it's kind of it's kind of like the it's like in um the what ifs is it the what if uh um, what if Marvel? I hear my my nerd inner nerd coming up with the the zombie multiverse aspect of you know or, or even just zombie the the zombie nature of Christ. This is, this is where my mind's going weird. So you think of 
the, the, the sufferings and death of Christ on the cross, his, the, um, him bearing the sins of the entire world. He bore all our infirmities and all of our, all of, all of those things that is now poured out on the rest of the world. Cause you rejected Christ. Well, here he is. You're going to get him again. Well, yeah. And that's exactly right. I, I think this is, you know, so what are the truths of the scripture? Christ died for all. But it's not once saved, always saved, and it's not everyone is saved. It's not a universal idea that, well, I guess Christ died for everyone, so everyone's saved. No. If you reject Christ, if, if you reject the work of the Holy Spirit during the time of grace that he has given when the, when the, the, the eternal gospel is being shared, when you reject that and say, it's not good enough, I don't care, I don't want it, whatever you say, the end result is those things have to go somewhere. They go on Christ. In the end result, those things have to go somewhere. It wasn't good enough for me that Christ died. So where do they go now? God gives them back to you. And he says, Oh, Fine. I see. I see. So all of the sins that you, he paid for. Yeah. And that, that now. It's a feedback loop. Yeah. It wasn't good enough for you that I did it. Fine. Take them back. Here they are. Here they are. That That's what I'm seeing in this. Ah, that's it. It's a neat picture because you're thinking of that a person's time of grace. Jesus paid for the, the sins of the entire world, right? Okay. Now I'm, now I'm seeing clearly. Jesus see, um, paid for the sins of the entire world, but now, but, and, when they repent, then they receive the benefit of that, right? The the check is signed through faith that's yeah. worked in them through the Holy Spirit. So now, at the end of all things, now God is releasing back and saying, okay, I had my son pay for all those things, but now it's going back to your account. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. It wasn't good enough. This this wasn't good enough for you. you. You've rejected it. You've denied it. You've spit in my face about it. Fine. Here it is. You can have it back. You have it back. Deal with it. Figure it out. <laughs> that sounds like a dad. <laughs> hey, kid, you figure it out. You don't want to take any of my advice. <laughs> you it figure it out. But, but, and, and like here's said, a hammer. You figure it out. And like I said, I, I, I can stand corrected. I'm not saying that this, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying this is what's happening, but, but as I look at this vision of the sanctuary, why does he bring in the vision of the sanctuary? Why does he bring in the vision of the temple? What happened at the temple? Day of atonement. All of the sins of Israel were paid for. What if I didn't want it to be paid for? Well, at the end, I get my wish. What if what if I approach Jesus and I'm like, I don't think I'm that bad. Why do I need him? Now you get your wish. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. What uh, what was done in God's divine service on your behalf for you, for you to have so that you could live freely. Now, now for those who have rejected and spit in his face, he releases back into the world. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's horrible. When he actually gives you what you want. Yeah. It, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Just a thought. Because it, it is an interesting picture of why is judgment coming out of a place of fellowship, a place of redemption, atonement? Why is yeah. wrath coming from that situ- from that picture? Because it seems like only good things should be coming out of that picture. Yep. And, that, and this is a plausible scenario of why that stuff comes out of there. Yeah. Because you didn't like it when God gave it. And so now he gives it back. So I think that's the end of 15, huh? That's the end of 15. So next yeah. time we're going to have the vision of the seven bowls of wrath. So that maybe this is all an introduction. This is a preview 
um, of things to come. Of things to come. Yeah, we're we're soon going to be what wrapping up the seven visions, and it's just going to be like, uh, then it's going to be the the after show, the rest of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Root out at Will's version of <laughs> if we would write the book of Revelation, this is what we would talk about. <laughs> So dear listener, I, I think, um, you know, if, if you take anything home from today, um, and, and, and Dave, I'm going to give you the last words after I say this, but if you take anything home from today, take home, uh, you're living in your time of grace now, right? Um, Christ has died for you. Christ has lived for you. Christ has done everything for you and has offered himself for you now. Um, and don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. Time is short. Um, the devil and his evil angels uh, and his uh, uh, triad of the beast of the sea, beast of the earth are on the earth, but they will be judged in the end. And um, time is short. Now it's time to, to rejoice in God's forgiveness. You, you finished it off really well. So now I'm just going to keep rambling until I fin- fin- come with another thought. This is Casting at Real Life, Living Faith. Then we'll see you next time. 